All right, partner. You know what time it is. Welcome back to the second ever episode of Five Steps to Fred. I will be hosting. My name is Pete, and we have Aaron on the line here to chat with us. Aaron's on the line. All right, Aaron, this week I have quite quite a tale for you. Oh, yeah, do tell. All right, so we're starting in 1998, not long ago, in New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. A bass player named Mr. Victor Wooten... I oh my gosh! I was about to watch a Victor Wooten set today. Oh well, I'll tell you which one you should watch. This one I chose is a particular set from a, a like small, very niche, kind of actually very wholesome gathering of bass players called uh, Bass Day, nineteen ninety eight. And at this uh, event, Victor Wooten played Amazing Grace mm. on the bass, and it was outstanding. Nice. You know, I saw him live once. You did? Where at? Um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Wow. Um, How was it? Was it? Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls, maybe. I think it was Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Falls, Cedar Rapids is larger. Cedar Rapids um, is like the big metropolis well, of Iowa. This was pretty small town, so. Oh, maybe it was um, Cedar he was Falls. With, he was playing with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Excellent. Um, and he was great. He was great. He's really a really fantastic bass player. He That's is. what I have to say about him. He's no, amazing. Nobody plays, like, nobody plays like Vic. No, nobody at all. Um, nobody and, plays like anybody in that band, actually. But that's that's no, from their tale. He's definitely the one. And so I actually I chose this uh, because he is such a great bass player. I was actually my friend David is like making this Amazing Grace compilation of like people playing Amazing Grace on a yeah a variety of instruments. So a bunch of people had done guitars already. So I was practicing how I was going to play Amazing Grace on the bass guitar because I thought that'd be a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh. Yeah, my roommate came outside and said, hey, Victor Wooten does that, like, way better than you do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, Jimi Hendrix Probably. plays the national anthem a lot better than I do, too. But um, So he actually showed me that video, which was really awesome. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for a Victor Wooten video to watch, I think that, that would be the one. So, Base Day, it seemed, only happened from about 1997 till 2002, was, like, the latest Base Day footage I could find, but... It seemed really cool. It was just all bass players joining together to uh, share their love of the bass and watch bass performances and lessons. Actually, like Victor Wooten gave a like a serious, you know, speech and full on like bass playing lesson to this group yeah. of like you know bass playing nerds, which was really it's it looked like a pretty awesome uh, gathering. Pretty fun if you people. like the bass. Yeah, definitely. So that that day at the Bass Day 1998, um, Andy Gonzalez, Michael Manring, Rocco. Oh, you know- do you know these people? I know Michael Manring. He's a big New Age bassist. He okay. Was, he played with uh, Michael Hedges in the uh, in the eighties uh, and nineties. Great. So they have some like di- yeah, diversity guy, but... in the styles of bass playing too. Then. Yeah. So who else? Uh, we also had Rocco Prestia and Victor Wooten, of course. Uh, Rocco Prestia also played with a few members of the Tower of Power in his. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know that. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So wow, we're. we're... We're, we're five five degrees away from a lot of things right now. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the amazing part that I find through all of this is that you're never too far. But, uh, yeah, this seemed like a lot of fun. I couldn't actually find that much information on it, but um, a pretty cool event that they used to have uh, every year, only for a few years, less than a decade, it seems like, uh, in New York City. And so that was our first step, Victor Wooten playing Amazing Grace at Base Day. And through that event, 
I was led to my second step here in our journey, which is a company called Hudson Music. And Hudson Music was the company that uh, promoted and recorded Victor Wooten here at Base Day in 1998. And Hudson oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Oh. It's the same one in New York. But Hudson Music uh, started, actually, this is kind of funny to me, uh, of course, in retrospect at this point in time, but Hudson Music started as a company called DCI Music, which made their money off of selling tapes of musicians just playing their instruments, which seems so funny now that that's YouTube, not... Yeah, yeah that's, that's just YouTube. But uh, it was very successful back in the day because people... I think it is really helpful to watch musicians play their instruments and teach lessons via video versus, I guess, the alternative was just to read sheet music or tabs. Or well, you better have that ear. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of how they how they started, and um, they have made their their kind of legacy off of documenting cool performances like Victor Wooten um, and lessons from musicians. They also sell books, DVDs these days, and they sell, they sell like digital videos, which I also found hilarious Mm -hmm. that they don't just post videos on YouTube, but you can buy, buy a video to watch for like five bucks, uh, which is a funny, I guess, business model to have in in today's day and age, but, uh, that's what they do. Uh, Paying for entertainment and content. I know. I know. So that's what they do. That's Hudson Music, and they are still around selling uh, books and DVDs and digital files on the internet. And in their uh, documents, or their their whole uh, inventory, I guess, I found there are lessons from Neil Peart, okay, Liberty, yeah. Liberty DeVito, and Victor Wooten himself doing like very wow. personal oh, wow, that's lessons. Yeah. Rest in peace, Neil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, if you are a, a drummer looking for a serious lesson... This might be the way to go, but uh, yeah. among among those drummers and musicians, I also found uh, a 2012 song pack featuring Mike Portnoy, teaching yeah, from teaching Dream from Dream Theater, but also from wow. Adrenaline Mob, and so he was teaching uh, the the listeners how to play Adrenaline Mob songs on the okay. drums. I think I should. I I'm not a big Dream Theater guy, um, and I've never listened to Adrenaline Mob, but I. I do know, knowing the idea of those bands, that Mike Portnoy is a very good player. He is a uh, very good player. And He's pretty uh, outstanding. I would, I would definitely pay five dollars to have him <laughs> teach me something. Yeah, well, uh, it's quite a deal. And he is, of course, our third step here in our five steps to Fred Durst. Wow! So we, we're at, we have a music publishing company, we have a prog metal drummer, and we have yes. Victor Wooten. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 I, I, I can see kind of where we're going here, but I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of all over the place, which is kind of what I hope for when I, when I plan these out. But yeah, we've landed at Mike Portnoy for now, who, as you said, is known mostly as the drummer for Dream Theater. And you mentioned that he must be a great drummer. And he certainly is, as he's been recognized by the modern drummer. I think, uh, started as a publication, but, um, now has a hall of fame that he is the second youngest person to be inducted into next to um, who what's your guess for first it's probably right if you're i have no idea who is it oh it's neil pert of course oh okay yeah, yeah it makes sense i already mentioned before but um yeah he was the first or he was the youngest to ever be inducted and mike was the second youngest when he was 37 okay. and he's been recognized by this uh publication 30 times 30 modern drummer awards 
Yeah, he's, I mean, that's dream theater for you. They definitely, the people who play the instruments like dream theater, the people who listen to people play the instruments generally do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not something that, it's not like the most fun drumming to listen to, I don't think, but it's definitely like, wow, that guy yeah. really knows how to like smack the drums. Yeah, and I shouldn't be that mean to dream theater. I just, I, it's just too technical for me, you yeah. know. It's just like really way <laughs> too, uh, way too involved. Yeah, it's a lot. Me. Yeah, but that was kind of how he got famous and how he like gained all these insane drumming skills. And uh, he kind of played around with like a huge group of different bands, um, just kind of jumping around and filling in on different projects mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know performances, including one with uh, Stone Sour. Oh, in 2011. Okay. In 2011, okay. here's our fourth step: Stone Sour playing Rock in Rio, 2011. Stone Sour's drummer, Roy Mayorga. Wasn't, wasn't Corey Taylor? Isn't Corey Taylor a drummer? Corey Taylor is the singer. Oh, Corey I know, Taylor's but I thought he isn't he also a drummer though? I don't know if he's a drummer. And like, maybe he's not. I don't know why I thought that actually. You know what? I just maybe because in Slipknot everybody drums. Um, yeah, they're definitely like half drummers, but he he yeah. is not one of them. Okay. Yeah, but uh. So rest, anyway, Stone Sour Rock and Rio. There's a lot of great uh. YouTube videos of Rock and Rio. Yeah, um, yeah, including this one. This one was pretty awesome. I actually heard, I read this week's uh, some for some current events that Stone Sour, Corey said that Stone Sour is on hiatus, so if you're a Stone Sour fan, oh, no. uh, you know, I guess single tier. Yeah, yeah, sorry to yeah. hear it. Uh, their, their 2011 concert was a bit of a, uh, the concert wasn't a bit of a mess, but planning it was because Roy Mayorga, their drummer, his first daughter's due date, the day that she was meant to be born, and I think she was born, uh, was of course the day of their performance oh, in no. Rock and Rio. So he decided, you know, the birth of my daughter, gotta go, gotta go see that. And so they they recruited Mr. Mike Portnoy to fill in on drums for the night, and he learned all the songs. Uh, I think maybe two days before. I wa I watched the video, and I think Corey Taylor said, "Yeah, he's been playing our songs for two days." Um, but he was a good friend of theirs. He's probably already, probably already better than the other guy. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding, but, you know, yeah replaces him as the full-time drummer. Yeah. Yeah, so he learned them uh, very quickly and played with them. And it is, as far as YouTube videos of concerts go, it was pretty good. I'll check it out. I, I, I've never really, the Slipknot universe does not necessarily intrigue me. The music just isn't, it's just not my thing. But uh, I'm a Stone Sour has always been a little, uh, Stone Sour has always been a little more melodic you know, and a little more easy to listen to. And I know and that's kind of how it's been sold to me. So I'll get, I'll, I'll give it a chance for sure. Yeah. And well, you definitely still get that like amazing voice. The Corey Taylor voice is insane. And like Stone Sour, you definitely get to kind of focus on that more than uh, whatever else is going on in the, the Slipknot <laughs> recording. Which is to know? say, which is to say a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is definitely like kind of all over the place. Yeah. Who who else would you have guessed headlined Rock and Rio 2011? Rio de Janeiro. Uh, 2011. Gosh, probably hard rock bands, right? I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know who was touring that. I mean, I mean, you could always, you know, you could always say like, you know, whatever, Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam. I think uh, Foo Fighters. I think you're right about Foo Fighters. I think they were there. I only wrote um, down a few, but. Uh, Deftones. I don't know. We had uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I was gonna on, guess that. that makes on, sense. on the same night that Stone Sour played, okay. uh, as well as Metallica, Stevie Wonder, Rihanna, 
Oh my god! System of a Down. Yeah, seven days. This this seemed like oh, a pretty man. awesome yeah. festival. Let's, I, would, I would say let's go to Rio, but let's not go to Rio right now. Yeah, let's, let's not go to Rio this time, but maybe like Rock in Rio 2030 we can go to. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that was their first uh, first ever show in Rio de Janeiro. Played with Mike Portnoy, Stone cool. Sour, featuring Corey Taylor, which is our, our, oh, our stepping go. stone to the very final step, which is, of course, Fred Durst drama, one of my favorite oh my steps God. to take. In 1999... Did they have beef? Is that what you're talking Yes, about? yes, they did. They absolutely well, I'm did. I'm not surprised. I, I feel like they're very different. I feel like Corey Taylor's very, like... Like, he's aggressive. Like, he's a, he's a dude, you know, but, like... I feel like his personal brand does not vibe with Fred Durst. He's a little, I don't know, he's a little more thoughtful, a little more, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, it seems so, it was really funny because like reading about this and like watching these videos, it seemed to me like it was really, you know, orchestrated like beef for the sake of like pop culture, people talking about these bands. Because like, you know, the, the rappers in the days always had beef and like yeah. everyone wanted to know like which rapper was like, dissing which rapper and like who was talking about who in these songs and i think the new metal scene somehow tried to like capitalize on that and they were like oh we could do that too and somehow because i don't even know how it really started it was like it was more of like an alleged beef because i actually didn't really see much about fred durst commenting on it but in an interview in 1999 Corey taylor the now lead singer of stone sour and then and now singer of slipknot uh, was asked in an interview about about his beef with Fred Durst. So yeah. somehow somehow the, the fans were wondering about this. The fans were just dying to know what was going on between Slipknot and Limp Bizkit. And a fan asked him like what where they were at with all of that. And Corey Taylor said that Fred Durst called his fans a bunch of fat, ugly kids. Wait, 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 wait. Who wait, I'm sorry, I just I just blanked for a second. <laughs> it's who, it's, it's a lot to take in, kid? I know. Allegedly, according to Corey Taylor a member of Limp Biscuit, which he was hinting at being Fred Durst, yeah, called all Slipknot fans "fat, ugly kids." Wow! And there's wow. no there's no recording or documentation of this statement, but that's what Corey Taylor says to a a crowd of Slipknot fans, to a crowd of fat, ugly kids. He says, "Yeah, a member of Limp Biscuit has insulted all of you," and of course the crowd goes nuts and boos <laughs> in their in their united just disdain for Fred Durst. And then he makes Corey Taylor makes like a really honestly like wrestling intro sounding speech where he goes off about he makes actually a pretty good point about people hating on other people's fans where he says, hey, you know, a lot of Slipknot fans listen to a wide variety of music, possibly including Limp Biscuit. So are you about are you insulting and like throwing insults at people that could be your fans and care about you? He makes this very valid, you know, pretty profound Corey Taylor point. Uh, but directly moments after that, he says, we will, we will come there and we will kill you oh <laughs> he says, indirectly oh to Fred Durst. Corey, Corey. Yes. Yeah, so somehow that all led to Corey Taylor threatening Fred's life on live television. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I, I don't, <laughs> I just think that's, that's kind of wild. It's. This was on live TV too. This was on live TV. Yeah, the fan was asking questions about Fred Durst, and there was this whole crowd of Slipknot fans. So after everything Corey said, there was like a reaction from this crowd, like a huge boo or a cheer, (laughs) whatever it might be. And then uh, the last thing Corey Taylor says is, "We will come there and we will kill you." Imagine if like, (laughs) imagine if like, man, like you say what you will about rock music in 2020. 
like I feel like most imagine if like the if like the if like the nineteen seventy five guy had said that about like about like about like the Imagine Dragons guy or something. You know what I mean? I like, like I, 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 you just can't. You know, it's just a know. different it's a different ball game. You know, yeah. Because like, at that I point, mean, he, had, he had, there was a sea. There was like a this huge crowd of people that were ready probably to attack Fred Durst in that moment. Like, I don't know if the, those guys have followings quite like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's, a huge, that's a huge army. You know, the Soap Army, man. That's yeah, the maggots, of, dude. The maggots. Yeah, that's what they're called. You're right. That's, yeah. that's what they call themselves. Yeah, um, it was pretty are, insane. Are, yeah, are, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, whose side do you take? Are you more of a Fred guy or more of a Soap guy? Man, if, if Fred did actually make a, an insult to a whole group of fans i think that's pretty that's pretty that is, that's yeah. pretty uncalled for and then i would i would, <laughs> I would say oh, I, make, I make fun of fans all the time you know yeah you like, just you just did it just a moment ago i think what did I, who did i make fun of imagine dragons fans i did i did i was saying what if just i'm just saying what if the 1975 imagine dragons feud got like that heavy <laughs> you you did it with uh with dream theater fans I did. That I you did. did. Right. That you I did. did. I actually did. I did. Yeah. I should. I, I, but, I did walk. I did walk back the statement. I that's that's different too, though, because I think if you're if you're a famous musician who has made their career because of a large fan base, then it's even more uncalled for for you to insult someone else's fan base. You, as yeah. Aaron Williams, fans though you may have, it is different than a, a celebrity insulting fans because that's just really that's like that's your whole life is your fans, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, um, I, I mean, the whole idea, and this is just kind of a tangent, and we'll, we'll end shortly, but um, I just, like, every, like, the idea that, like, a band's fans are, like, this monolithic thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are, there are definitely tendencies inside of certain fan bases. You know, I just get this a lot, you know. Because I'm I'm a jam guy, right? And uh, there's definitely a lot of like stereotypes of, of those stereotypes, fan you know? bases. <laughs> and, like, some of them, it's like some of them are true sometimes, but like I know not all. You know, I I have certain opinions on whatever Slipknot or whatever. But like, you know, I met Slipknot fans. There's some pretty like normal people. Yeah, <laughs> and, they just they just pretty, love you know, it. Like, there's all there's all sorts of people like all sorts of things. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it just seems, it just seems so silly and you know sophomoric or juvenile or what have you to categorize a band's fans as like one single thing. You know, yeah, Even I think it can, I think it can be like a lighthearted thing too, though. Where it's like it's it like it's be. almost like the the sports fans stereotypes, right? Like oh yeah, each team has their stereotypes of like the other team's fan, and that's like uh sometimes rude, but probably most of the time hilarious yeah. bit that's kind of just an ongoing generalization yeah but yeah the only follow-up i could find on that beef was uh cory taylor seemed to do like a like a stand-up slash uh he'd like play a few songs on guitar deal it looks like yeah, he was actually you know he was doing that tour all right so you're talking about that tour that he was doing yeah yeah that tour, it was just him he was playing at first avenue the night prince died that's right did he play I a prince was- song uh, he might have. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I I was right outside. Wow! So as there was the whole congregation around the the, the, the whatever the Prince Block party on that 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 uh, Thursday <laughs> or Friday night, it was literally Corey, literally Corey Taylor was playing a show in wow. First Avenue, which was just wild to me. You know? I wonder. Like, I wonder how he felt. He's like, what do I do? 
I think he probably played a Prince song. I mean, he's a like I said, he's, he seems like seems like a thoughtful guy, you know. Yeah. Like he's, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, but but you're right. It is a bizarre situation, you know. Like like so was it was the news released like as he was playing and everyone started looking at uh, the, no, the news probably? got released earlier earlier in the day. Okay, so he already okay, so he had some time to figure knew, out what yeah, to do. He knew, yeah, he knew. Wow. Um, but yeah, so there's probably more to that. But uh, yeah, I remember everybody. People still do it. Everybody played Prince songs. Every band that came to Minneapolis would play a Prince song at the shows for like a good year, yeah. two years for a while. Yeah, yeah. Which was it was kind of cool actually. I enjoyed it. Well, that happened when when Fred Durst dies. When people play Fred Durst songs, <laughs> Everyone, Durst. everyone's just somberly singing Nookie at their shows. Uh, I really hope so. Yeah. Although, yeah, hopefully that day is far, far away. You know what? Yeah. Actually, I, I, oh, sorry, I was following up. Uh, the beef at, at some at some stop on his tour, he mentioned that uh, Fred Durst kid, I guess, is a big Slipknot fan. So he ended up. If anyone won the beef, he probably got it's more fair. more satisfaction because the kid Fred Durst's kid, the little Durst, little mini Fred Durst, asked uh, Corey Taylor for like a photo and a signature. So that's funny. Yeah, so I think Corey came out on top. But yeah, hopefully, I, I I read also that actually in my in my research, Fred Durst has a podcast of his own. So a collaboration is maybe that's a goal here. I think so. I think for sure. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that that is uh, what's to come. And if you're listening, you can look forward to that. Also, if you happen to listen to this and have an idea of where to start on our next journey, uh, please send it along. I've just been getting inspiration in random places thus far. But yeah, that was another uh, trail from Victor Wooten playing Amazing Grace all the way kind of around the world. Back to Corey Taylor threatening Fred Durst's life on live television. We've, we've found Fred. We found him. All right. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.